Podcast Ain't Play Nobody, part of the Banner Society at Banner Society on Instagram and Twitter. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, Mr. Richard Johnson, where can people find you? On Twitter at RJ underscore rights. You got that Insta private. Yeah, baby. Friends and family only. Get them cooking recipes. Um, I uh, my, my slug line, I don't use it all the time, is that my name is Stephen Godfrey and I hate your team. Uh, we're doing one team today. I don't hate this team. I'm fascinated by it. Um, however, I will say this, Richard, I was on local Nashville radio. I was talking about one of the candidates that was being floated out there and we'll get to the definition of floated in just a second. That individual was Butch Jones and Hogville has decided they don't like me again. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, Hogville loved me for a long, a long, long period of time. Um, now they're fussy again. So, uh, I, I do hate your team. That is the shtick here, but I am fascinated by the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, they let go of Chad Morris. Uh, unmitigated disaster. <laughs> um, That's putting it lightly, probably. Uh, we, well, let's talk about Chad Morris for just a second. Uh, this was a gentleman who um, maybe left a team worse than he found it, and it was a bad team to begin with. Arkansas did not win a game in the Southeastern Conference under Chad Morris. They are, hands down, I've said this before anecdotally, but we'll say it again on this show, the worst team in the Southeastern Conference. I had a coach tell me that Arkansas looked worse than the G5 homecoming opponent they had scheduled when they were breaking down film. They told me that a month ago, right before Chad was fired. We did this this a couple weeks ago where we were like, how many teams, how many group of five teams are better than Arkansas? And I think I settled on like 30-something. And somebody like with, with like legitimate analytics was like, yeah, it's like probably close to 40. It's pretty bad. Um, Chad Morris, he's out. An 18-40 and 40 record overall. The terrifying thing about that is he's actually only 4-18 and 18 at Arkansas. So this guy, I want to talk a little bit about Chad just for a second because I think it's going to greatly influence the way in which Arkansas makes the decision on its next head coach. He was a... Was he a program rebuilder or was he a, was he a short-term opportunist at SMU is the question. He came to the Razorbacks. He had a 14-22 and 22 record at SMU over three seasons from 2015 to 2017. The Mustangs got better every year, inarguably. 2-10, and 5-7, and 7-5. Seven, seven and One winning season. They went to the Frisco Bowl. Well, Chad didn't. He went to Arkansas. <laughs> then at Arkansas, he posted a 2-10 and ten te- two and ten season last year, a 2-8 and eight season, likely a 2-10 and ten season when it's all played out, 0-8, 0-6 in the SEC. Um, so he lost 14 games in the Southeastern Conference. I think because he came from SMU, I think because he was considered to be a very, very valuable assistant at Clemson, a known offensive quantity, and really the reason he got hired by Arkansas, I believe, was his relationships with with Texas high school coaches and recruiting. If you go back and you do it all over again in 2017, I think um, it's hard to argue that that excuse me, Arkansas made the a bad decision, the wrong decision. Um, they wanted someone that had more of a central identity relative to where they were both geographically and I think philosophically, and he fit that way better than than Brent Bielema did. Um, the new AD, Hunter Juracek, taking over after Jeff Long was kind of a disaster. But this um, is what you do. You go get an AAC coach. I mean, the American Athletic Conference has been the cradle of coaches for the rest of the sport, kind of up-and-comers for the last five or six years. You make a very good point because when you look at the list entirely – <clears throat> this is what you do. 
Matt Rule at Baylor. Okay. Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech. Uh, Tom Herman, Texas. Willie Taggart, Oregon. Then Florida State. Then Florida State. Scott Frost, Central Florida to Nebraska. Um, We're just doing this off of the top of our head. There are more. This is uh, Justin Fuente. That was the other one I was thinking of. Virginia Tech from Memphis. This is what you do now. I think there's been a, a heavy shift away from veteran assistance or even just retreads. You know, the, the, we'll, we'll, we can make jokes about Petrino and Houston Nutt in a second, but um, college football values youth right now because of recruiting, because of identity, because of the way that, that I think young head coaches are connecting with their players. And the AAC is where to find that coach because the AAC replicates the P5 as closely as possible without being a P5 uh, conference. Or maybe it is. God knows. I, I just I just tripped and fell into that argument. Let's get the hell out of there fast. Richard, um, you have made you you made a couple jokes on PAPN about not wanting to discuss this or thinking it's weird. What is what is the what is your estimation of the Arkansas job? Because we our third co-host, the third spoke of PAPN on the tasting menu, Bud Elliott, called it the Rutgers of the SEC, and I vehemently disagree. See, I'm more in the middle. I'm more in the middle, and I definitely trend more Bud. Um, okay. You before you kick a ball, you have three and a half losses in your division. Okay. You, I think. Go ahead. You you should be expected to compete very hard with your regional, so to speak, and uh, uh, and constant cross-divisional opponent in Missouri. You should be expected, I think, reasonably, to split games against the Mississippis. If not, probably win one of those. Okay. So, in the league, for a team that has won, and I believe you have it, what is it, 13 games since Texas A&M entered the league uh, mm-hmm. in 2012, if they if they lose to LSU and Missouri this season, this will be their third Ofer season in conference play since A&M came in the league. Um, other programs have had their life cycle of a star since A&M and Missouri came in to the league, and Arkansas hasn't. Arkansas has been relatively consistently woeful. Uh, while both Mississippis have peaked and valid, while Miss- Missouri has won that side of the league twice. Like, okay, uh, how, But how much of that is circumstantial? How much if, of that if, is if it's if it's circumstantial, that's fine. But then A and M's had the circumstantial. The Mississippi's have had the circumstantial. Missouri's had the circumstantial. Where is Arkansas circumstantial? Okay, so to cite back of what we're talking about, Bud Elliott <clears throat> last week in our work slack, he pointed out that there have been thirteen SEC wins for the Hogs since Texas A and M joined. Uh, Texas A and M is not necessarily the mitigating factor here. It's just that that's when we realign the conference again. So it's a new modern era. I often measure things in sort of the post-92 SEC expansion and on for all of college but, football because there's a television influence there. There's a money influence. And so, Texas A&M should not be shooed out. And, and Missouri. Let's, let's, Missouri also joined the damn conference. Well, no, um, I'm, about the, I'm and, sorry. If I said conference, I meant division. And so yeah. therefore, the reason but Bud's argument there is not about Texas A&M. It's about what is your identity relative to your division? And, and Arkansas is still very, very much in flux. Let me read these numbers out to you, Richard. 2012, they had two wins. 2013, none. 2014, two. 
2015, five. It was sort of the peak of the Bielema era. 2016, they had three, then one, and then two years, obviously, of none. Um, if you remember, just to enjoy a small moment in time, 2015, at home, they shut out a New Year's Six team in Ole Miss that beat Alabama. In 2015, they shut out an L- a very, very good LSU team at home. That was the moment where it was really all going to happen. That was the big, that was it. But Arkansas has also had these these fits and starts. Like, you know, when Bobby Petrino leaves your program, you tend to crater. Um, so Petrino leaves in 2011. The John L. year is an absolute throwaway. Um, Brett Bielema comes in and tries to run that team a certain way with a certain style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after two seasons, kind of chucks that out and goes a different way completely mm-hmm. Uh, that's completely contrary, basically, to what Brett had said about the the structure of the sport from a player safety standpoint for two seasons. So mm-hmm. they go a completely different direction schematically, structurally, at least on offense, um, and and have some success with it. But obviously, it wasn't enough. He gets fired virtually on the field, and then you bring Chad Morrison, and Chad Morris has now or has gone over. Oh, and whatever it was, 14, 15. Well, I, I think, and let me, let me, minor correction on myself. The shutouts of Ole Miss and LSU were in 14. They beat both of those teams again. Both were ranked, Ole Miss 19 and LSU 9th, in 15, in addition to beating Auburn and Tennessee and Missouri. So that was the peak year. But it, it starts in late 14, and any Arkansas fan can tell you far better than we can. The momentum going into the following year, the problem it was it was what they they thought they were seeing proof of concept late in that season. What ended up happening was a, a disastrous one and four start. Honestly, losing to Toledo, losing to Texas Tech, and losing to A and M. And then even though Bielema was able to win down the stretch, they knocked Ole Miss out of the SEC West. They they stomped on LSU. It was a very impressive win. Um, this was. He never got it. It it all never congealed at the right time. However, and I mean, Arkansas had grown accustomed to a level of competition, of competitiveness. Arkansas was not going. Arkansas every three to four years for like until Bobby Petrino left could reasonably expect to win that side of the conference. Richard, they won. They've been to the SEC championship twice. They've actually finished tied for first a couple times. They've been to the SEC championship twice. So that's more than Mississippi State and Ole Miss can say, right? There is an identity crisis that has existed at Arkansas for a long time. They've never really found exactly where they fit. I am still bullish because, again, maybe it's because of my experience. I went to college at Ole Miss. I understand how those two programs in Mississippi scrap and claw and fight and cheat. Um, Arkansas has a little bit of an advantage in particular areas. I think one, the fact that they're the only program, the only SEC program in their state, I think that's a huge, huge, huge advantage. Two, I think their proximity to Texas and their history in Texas. Obviously, Jerry Jones can tell you all about that. And I think that honestly, they are a little bit more sound. They're financially better off than some of the smaller programs. Again, like when Bud makes the, the Rutgers joke, I don't think it necessarily lines up. I, I don't think it's right. Um, so in the last USA, data, USA Today database, um, year ending 18 for budgets, they're in the top 25. That's a big deal. They're yeah, the money's there. The facilities are there. Um, I think they, the, the thing with Chad Morris is defensible, the hire of Chad Morris is defensible because Chad Morris was going to take you in a place where I personally think uh, Arkansas should go 
more into in recruiting, which is West. Um, you know, like, AM came into the league with someone and immediately hopped over to Phoenix and went and got some big talent guys. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk's from Phoenix. Like, that's, I, I think you go West. I think you fight the battles with AM and Missouri a little bit westward. Why are you messing around with LSU in Louisiana and Alabama in Louisiana? Now, I know it borders. I know you have to go there. I understand that. But maybe you devote some more resources to Memphis and then farther west uh, just with recruiting. Uh, let's move on. I want to talk very quickly about another – my perceived – it's an issue for Arkansas in that if you're not going to be the Rutgers, if you're not going to be this basement job, which I think they can be something more, I do think you have to give yourself winnable football games every year. Um, when you're in the SEC West, unless you are at the very, very top, you know, right now it's LSU, usually it's Alabama. I would strongly re- I would strongly argue that any program reconsider doing flashy non-conference games because you've got to find wins, right? I don't even I, I don't think the problem is the flashy non-conference games. It so I think the problem is flashy non-conference games in conjunction with a neutral site game in conjunction with another not actually neutral site game but pseudo neutral site game uh, with the War Memorial thing. So Arkansas's non-conference in 2020 is Nevada at Notre Dame, Charleston Southern, and Louisiana Monroe. I get that Notre Dame's exciting. I, I, I that's fine, but. Um, the return match, by the way, is in 25. Um, that's a loss, and you're going to need to find wins where you can. And if you're building off of, hey, win your non-conference, beat the Mississippis, you know, aim to beat the Mississippis and Missouri in your non-conference, that's how you get bowl eligible, and that's how you build momentum in your program. And then you start worrying about competing with A&M and Auburn and Alabama and LSU, et cetera, et cetera. In 21, they have Texas. <laughs> They also have, by the way, they also have a home game against Georgia Southern, and I'm going to say this both as like a Georgia Southern fan and just a logical human being. Why don't schedule a triple option Sun Belt team in the middle of your schedule? What, what are you doing, guy? Um, yeah, that's got to be that's got to be week one. Again, just just sort of head scratching, upping the difficulty on yourself. In 2022, they have a road trip in the middle of the season in October to BYU. Why? I don't, I don't understand. They open with Cincinnati, by the way, which it's very hard to prognosticate that far in the future. But if those two teams played right now, oh my gosh, like that, there's another loss. So this repeats itself. It goes on. They have series, obviously. You know, they have Memphis, who I think is a, is a much more logical fit and sort of that that could really be your marquee non conference game and building around that. A winnable a, regional game. Richard, they sign a multi-year. It's four years showing up on fbschedules.com. A four-year deal to play Oklahoma State. They have a home and home with Utah. I don't understand this logic at all. I, I think that there's a way to schedule better and to schedule safer for Arkansas to establish more consistency as a bowl team. And then, really, this is sort of the beauty of the non-conference neutral site game. It takes away from the tradition of college football. We've talked about how we like games on campus, but games on campus usually involve a one-and-one. If you feel like, you know, hey, we're at a steady seven, eight, nine win clip, then you go and schedule the one-off, you know, in Houston or Dallas or what have you. Um, Richard mentioned earlier, Arkansas is currently uh, in multiple obligations, I guess. They signed a long-term deal with Texas A&M actually before A&M joined the, um, the conference and then now as division opponents, they play in Dallas every year. They also are obligated to almost always have a game, uh, a home game moved to War Memorial in Little Rock. 
boy, this is a lot. Now, if this is how Arkansas wants to wants to live, I, I guess I could reason with that. Um, if I were to come in as a as an outside consultant, I would say, look, you need to consolidate this, build up your revenue at home in Fayetteville, and then. I mean, the first thing you need to do, in my opinion, just get rid of the Dallas series entirely. Play Texas A&M on your campus like you're supposed to, and I and I anticipate that that's what will happen when the when that contract actually runs out. I was gonna say because I don't think A&M is super thrilled about that game either. You know, I don't know of a lot of fan bases that really love that facility or love going there unless it's a major bowl game. Like, I, I it's just one of those deals where I don't know if it's. Is that fun? I mean, we're we're sort of asking for feedback we can't get right now, but like um, Ross Bjork, by the way, the te- the new Texas A and M AD that came over from Ole Miss, he told the uh, the Dallas Morning News as recently as September that they want to put that thing back on campus. So yeah, I I've seen very very I think very very strongly it will end up back on campus. So that's one thing for Arkansas. Um, all right, Richard, let's move on to the fun part. There are a lot of names associated with this job right now. Um, that's why it's the most interesting job opening in college football for me because Florida State, despite its many, many flaws right now, and USC, despite its just pick a pot of turmoil, there's a different level to those jobs. We can sit here and argue about Arkansas's level or their place in the Southeastern Conference. This is a storied program. It has tradition. It has a great fan base. It has good money behind it. It has passion. They know football in the state. All of these things considered, it's a good job. But like so many programs, like so many programs, when you've had frustration and you've you've gone one, two, you know, three coaches where <laughs> things haven't panned out, they everybody. This is not a knock on Arkansas. Everybody gets dumb. Okay, Florida State right now thinks it's going to hire Bob Stoops. Tennessee thought it was going to hire John Gruden. This this happens. Okay. In Arkansas's case right now, I don't know if their if their pinnacle candidate is necessarily a dumb reach, and I'm talking about Gus Malzahn. Um, Richard, if I came to you and you were the number one Arkansas booster, and I said, uh, we're going to get this guy, Gus Malzahn, who's done this, who's been to a national championship game, who was the OC and play caller for a national championship winner and a Heisman winner in the 2010 year at, Aub- at Auburn. Um, he's recruited He's recruited to the highest levels in the Southeastern Conference. Um, he's won a lot of football games. He's won close games. He's won big games. Da, 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 da. What would your reaction be? Would it not be positive, I would assume? I mean, pick Suey, let's get it. Okay. So the idea now is whether or not Gus Malzahn would leave Auburn. Would he leave willingly? Would he just decide, hey, so I'm much of the this. Gus... Yeah. So much of this Gus Malzahn situation, we're talking about this job in the context of Arkansas, is relative to his relationship with Auburn and how fraught it is occasionally. And then how, I mean, it is the most hot cold. It is the most uh, polar of, of relationships. I mean, it um, strikes me, just to make the Texas A&M allegory, it strikes me kind of, sort of, like Jimbo and Florida State. Now, I understand Jimbo, you know, Jimbo was mad about facilities and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. But the guts of the situation are similar where it's like, hey, we had a ton of success with you. And when it was really great, it was really, really great. But I think the I think you have to do your due diligence. And I know that the due diligence has already been done by Arkansas and Hunter Juracek in not necessarily making overtures, but just checking to see which way the wind's blowing with Gus Malzahn. In case you don't know, and that's okay because everybody gets into college football at a different time, Gus Malzahn is from Northwest Arkansas. He was actually a coach there under Houston Nutt. 
uh, just Google Mitch Mustaine. You know, if you're younger, you're coming into college football, you don't have the, you know, years and years of knowledge. Gus Malzahn is a very, very specific type of history with this with this program. Um, In a way that if I was a fan of this program, I would be like, hell yeah, the savers right there. Right. It's very, very interesting. I'll put it that way. And I don't even and like I'm not saying that like sarcastically either. Like my whole deal with the Arkansas job is stop trying to win the press conference. Um, Get a coach that can coach ball. Names that could win a press conference are names that are being considered right now. I'm just going to throw out, this is a group of names that are being considered around Arkansas. Mike Norvell, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, Lane Kiffin. Let's be clear clear about what we mean by being considered. Being considered is someone that Arkansas is actually evaluating, okay? Arkansas is looking at. We're going to go through these these lists and tiers, and we'll just go ahead and throw this one out because it's funny. Um, People who have openly lobbied for the job would be former Arkansas coach Houston Nutt. Uh, he has a less than a fraction of a percent of a you know chance in hell of getting the job, but it's funny. We'll include it. We can laugh and move on. What you hear this type of year, time of year, is names associated with the job. You see reporters, you see um, radio people, um, TV analysts. Names creep into their mentions. Names names are tweeted. Names are talked about on radio hits. There's really two things that are going on here. Okay, and I want to be super clear about this because I did do a radio spot talked about uh, talked about Butch Jones, and then it was it was it was out of context. The by the first time it went out on social media, what I did, and then I actually had Arkansas fans who listened to to me speaking on the radio and understood what I was saying. Richard, there's category number one. That that's what we just said. These are names that Arkansas is considering. It doesn't mean that they will even contact them. It doesn't mean they will have a formal interview. This is a name that goes up on the board. People discuss it. Okay. What you also hear this type of time of year. I keep saying type of year. Are names that are being pushed. Okay, Richard. Names that are being pushed. Explain exactly uh, how a name is pushed and why. I think the immediate response from the audience is if a name is being pushed, it's from an agent. That's not exactly how it works. It is sort of how it works, but that's not exactly how it works. When we talk about pushed, it can be from there, like it can be from another coach is saying, this guy may work. Another agent may be pushing that name, but it may not actually be their client. Like, right. you have conversations with, an, with agents in people in the industry, and like you kind of just like kick around names, and an agent who has no, honestly, no real vested interest in this coach getting that job, you can kind of connect the dots. Like, to be honest with you, the two of us could connect basically anybody to this job in like two to three degrees of separation. Absolutely. And that and it's so easy. And and agents, people on the inside also do that. Media folks, they they also say, hey, this guy may work for this kind of maybe obscure reason, or he coached with somebody who coached at Arkansas. Like sometimes that is how some of these names end up on some of these hot boards. And I'm I'm trying to be as clear as I can. Like the two of us do that too. The two of us are kind of doing that right now. Well, so names that we've heard being pushed. We'll say it that way, okay? So names that we've heard are being pushed. Now, of this list, I wouldn't say that any of these people are an absolute, uh, uh, you know, uh, clutch your pearls and decry the entire concept of media bad fit. They're not. The names that are being pushed, these names that I'm going to read, they could be considered, 
Okay. And to varying degrees, some of them have been considered by Arkansas. And again, and when I say considered, it means, hey, let's throw it up. Let's look at it. Right. It's much in the same way that you hear um, the verbiage and the narrative around the draft. I don't think people realize how many players are actually vetted by every team. It does not mean that they're going to draft them. It may not even mean they're going to meet with them at the combine, but they the look at a lot of people. Due diligence. Due diligence. So in the name of due diligence, here are some names that are being pushed from the outside that Richard and I have heard about. <clears throat> I clear my throat for dramatic effect. Uh, App State's head coach, Eli Drinkwitz. Boise State's Brian Harson, Louisiana Tech's Skip Holtz. Former Tennessee head coach, Butch Jones. And Nevada's Jay Norvell. Not to be confused with Memphis's Mike Norvell. No relation. Um, all of those coaches have immediate drawbacks. All of those coaches have immediate pluses. Uh, they differentiate from each other in, in particular ways. Uh, Skip Holtz had a terrible time at USF, has been a nothing but a steadying presence and an improving presence at Louisiana Tech in every way, shape, and form. Understands Arkansas, obviously, with a familial relation to his father being the head coach there a long time ago. Actually would probably win the press conference for that reason. Yep. Uh, Jay Norvell. Tell me about Jay Norvell. Well, Jay Norvell's coached out west, coached Oklahoma, coached Texas, recruited both areas. Is a situation where you have a conversation about a Jay Norvell, and similar to Brian Harson, you say, "Hey, those are guys who have had varying degrees of, but success out west, success where Arkansas may want to go in recruiting and is going with future schedules. BYU, uh, Dallas game, Missouri uh, as as your cross division. So it's those two guys are guys that you can say who's having success at West and you can kind of triangulate those guys into this sort of job. And I'll tell you this, when Hunter Yurichek goes to, I don't know if, if Arkansas is returning a search firm, is retaining a search firm, but Hunter Yurichek, as any AD in the country will, will have his short list of, of guys in his desk drawer who, if their coach got fired, got hit by a bus, whatever, I can maybe go and get these guys. But if Hunter Yurichek goes to a search firm and retains a search firm, the search firm will also say, hey, maybe you take a look at these 510 candidates. The, and, and the search firm will surface those guys to the search committee who is working with Yurichek, and they will then have a, a kind of a top tier or the, and then a second tier or a one and one A or a one and two tier of guys. Um, or Yurichek uh, may say, I'm good. Those names don't work for us, don't work for me, don't work for Arkansas. We're going to stay with the five, six, seven, ten names that I brought to you that I want you to vet. That's kind of how a search firm can work into this and surface different names similar to the way we are talking about. Pushed air quotes. Um, <clears throat> uh, the search for the new coach, but this is from the Associated Press. The search for the new coach for Arkansas will include a current head coaches, former head coaches, coordinators, and that Yurichek is considering employing a search firm. No time search. frame, obviously. Yes. Um, Brian Harson. Brian Harson, uh, similar to Norvell, obviously winning, winning a lot more in the Mountain West, has that one year of experience in the state of Arkansas. In 2013, he was. That was back when ASU was a revolving door uh, before Blake got there, and he went seven and five. Um, that was so. What's, here's what's great about when you look at a Sunbelt, you're like, oh, he only went seven and five. Well, he went five and two, and he was, he was tied for first. So that's the Sunbelt. Um, at Boise, he's essentially done everything at this point. Um, if he were to win out this year, he would. This would be the least amount of losses in a single season. He's gone twelve and two, nine and four, ten and three, eleven and three, ten and three. 
He's 61 and 16. He's 38 and 8 in Mountain West play. Um, he's done more than continue on what Chris, Chris Peterson did uh, in his time. It just sort of feels like it's time, right? I, I, unless you become a lifer head coach there, I, I'm not sure exactly what more you could do. Um, so, yeah, is it a fit? Yes. Um, can I give you a negative negative on him? Yeah, I can tell you right away. The way that you build a Boise roster, Richard, you can attest to this, is you go in and you're the you're sometimes you're the second man in the door after the USC's of the world or the Washingtons, and then sometimes maybe you're the third and fourth. But you pick and sort of. You know, you don't Kansas State it necessarily, but you build a very particular type of team that's fit from the California uh, Pacific Northwest, the LA Southwest area, sort of like also rands or guys that could qualify. And you build a very particular kind of high end roster for the group of five. None of what I've just described would apply to life recruiting and evaluating talent in the SEC. So there's one thing that you can hold against him. Um, the only person on this list with SEC wins is Butch Jones. Uh, I can tell you firsthand when I was mentioning the fact that, yes, Butch Jones would be evaluated by Arkansas. Yes, Butch Jones will be evaluated for other P5 jobs. Tennessee fans, this is the one thing I don't understand, Richard. Tennessee fans lost their shit. Um, let me tell you this one time, just so you, you hear it if you're a Tennessee fan. You want him to take a job so he gets off of your payroll. Does that make <laughs> sense, guys? Do you know the happiest people in the world when Les Miles got the Kansas job? Was Louisiana State University because I think it was two twenty five a month, two hundred twenty five thousand dollars a month, or maybe two twenty that was coming out of the football budget to pay less miles. We are in the wrong side of this business, bro. <laughs> it hurts, don't it? It so hurts. Uh, last on our list is someone that uh, we want to make clear we haven't heard it. We don't know for a fact as reporters that they're considering it, but it's someone that Richard would like to stump for. Tell me about Arkansas <laughs> head coach Willie Fritz. Man, get a PAPN, guy that can coach baby. ball. Get a guy that could coach ball in that region of the country, man. Look, so we're going to – there's a joke that I think we tell um, kind of in our staff meetings when we're having fun uh, about some of these jobs that are even at a lower tier than Arkansas. I'm talking below Arkansas. We're like, oh, well, they should just run the triple option. Like, why the hell not? Be the change up on the schedule for everybody else. I say that halfway in jest about Willie Fritz because what Willie Fritz's scheme does, or at least did when he started at Tulane, was it was basically the triple option from the shotgun. I mean, that's in the most boiled down, distilled way terms. That's what it was. Now, they've mm-hmm. evolved a little bit. They do a little bit more under center now that uh, Alex Atkins is gone as a, uh, as an offensive assistant coach. And um, Will Hall is the new assistant co- or new offensive coordinator at Tulane. And they're playing pretty well. They're back in a bowl game uh, for two years in a row, which at Tulane is a miracle. Um, I just I say to myself, if you're not going to get a guy like Gus or Mike Norvell, who absolutely wins the press conference, you should get a guy that can coach football. And I know it's not going to be sexy. I know it may not even be fun. But do I think Willie Fritz can win there? Absolutely. And maybe it's Willie Fritz's retirement job, uh, but he ain't ancient. And there are other guys at other places that are doing it with hire the guy, give him the cadre of assistance, the cabal of assistance, um, surround him with those kind of guys, and, and maybe we got something here. Uh, of this list, real fast at the very top, we talked about Gus. We have Mike Norvell, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, Lane Giffen. Whew, so much to discuss and yet so little to really know. Um, Luke Fickle, if I'm Luke Fickle, I'm going to say this again to be very clear. If I'm Luke Fickle, who has Cincinnati humming at this point and could have Cincinnati humming indefinitely for as long as he really wants, 
because of his connections in Ohio and his ability to recruit in the that southern, that southeast, southwest area of the state, he's done an exceptional job. He can take a little bit of time. Um, if I am Luke Fickle, I'm waiting on one of two situations that are ideal fits for me. And I and I have time. So one would be Mark D'Antonio's retirement at Michigan State. The other would be the Notre Dame job opening. I don't know if Luke Fickle fits at Arkansas. Would he be a good coach? Absolutely. Um, I think that you might see that this draw on a little bit further, much in the same way he was associated with West Virginia last year. And the wor- I, I don't think he had any real interest in the West Virginia job, I'll say this. Um, it, Gordon Gee, who is at West Virginia, was a former chancellor at Ohio State. I think this was sort of a, a just a thing you do. The I'll word that way. fit, I want to buzz in on the word fit. Because okay. the word fit is a word that annoys me in coaching search searches. Um, and it's a, like... I understand why we say it, and I understand that it has a connotation of culture and a connotation of um, of, of, of of fan base and and kind of stereotypes about a fan base, both good and bad, and how that coach can kind of play to those, or how that coach personally fits into that. And to an extent, I get it, and then to a different extent, I come back to: if my guy can coach football, he can coach football, like. Dan Mullen is not a cultural fit at the University of Florida. But he can coach football? If, I don't know if Dan Mullen's a cultural fit anywhere. But he can coach football. He's a strange bird. Um, Meyer wasn't a cultural fit at the University of Florida, but he can coach football. Um, Matt Campbell. Hmm. I'm trying to figure hmm. out how I say this. Hmm. Don't know if Matt Campbell is necessarily ready to deal with or potentially interested in the level of recruiting that the SEC requires. Can you hear what I'm saying when I say that? <laughs> the severity, intricacy. Competitiveness. Competitiveness of recruiting in the SEC. I'm not sure that Campbell is someone who wants to do that in the SEC. Okay. Uh, Lane right. Kiffin. Lane Kiffin already has coached in the SEC for one year. Was very successful. Um, Lane Kiffin's appealing because I do think he'd put together a hell of a recruiting plan. All right. Um, I think he would help in rebranding. I think you talk about press conference winning and attitude. I think it's an instant boost of confidence. Is that earned confidence or not? That's up to you, dear reader. But he's Um, not a fit, cultural fit. What's culturally fitting about Lane Kiffin? No, uh, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying you're If you're a hog fan? Right. uh, If you're a Hog fan, what's culturally fitting about Lane Kiffin is that he won at Tennessee the one year that he was there. He was at USC. He's a big, brash, uh, media-friendly personality. Right, so the fit isn't cultural. The fit is we think we can coach ball. Well, yes and no. Culture is obviously used to – it's designed to apply to many, many different situations and mask away things. There's some racial coding in there. There's some – actual literal cultural coding in there when you talk about like rich rodriguez in michigan that was not a cultural fit right gus and this job i mean gus would be the most perfect cultural fit that ever culturally fit anywhere right similar Uh, to ed in lsu lane would fit i think lane fits the zeitgeist of of wanting to rally around an sec head coach as as cult of personality and i talk about this a lot i think that's what lane would fit and he would he'd also look he's gonna he'd get on the podium and talk a little shit and arkansas would love it okay Arkansas wants to feel like they've they've got Arkansas has to win that press conference because they haven't won anything else. All right, that this, now am I saying this is a good idea? No, a good am, I endo- 
What's that? I said, that's a good one-liner. I like that. Well, thank you. Um, I'm not saying winning the press conference is a good idea. More often than not, it's, it's well, we know for a fact it's meaningless, but more often than not, it's also deceptive on how a coach might actually pan out, okay? But Arkansas, as a culture, as a people, as a fan base, as a donor pool, does not have a lot to rally around and celebrate in football. It has been a long time, and football is something that's discussed in Northwest Arkansas and Little Rock year-round. The Razorbacks are discussed year-round. Most of the SEC cultures are like that. So they need something Lane Kiffin would provide. Would it pan out necessarily in football? I ask you this, Richard, because we've picked apart FAU and the, the various iterations of FAU under Lane Kiffin. Some of them are grossly unremarkable. Yeah, it's very interesting how kind of like up and down they are. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I've actually watched much FAU this season. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit our audience like that. I won't do that. Um, but when it hummed, when it was right, uh, what was it, two years ago? Uh, when they ripped off like nine straight, that was like, all right, my guy's got some athletes in here. My guy is going to run a modern offensive system, and it's going to work in the way that that offense has worked a whole lot of places. Uh, the last one is Mike Norvell. Um, he's a guy with a lot of stigma around him. He's a guy who, let's define culture for the 30th time, is the head coach of Memphis, a former football player at the University of Central Arkansas, and is roughly a native son in a lot of ways. Uh, the style of offense that he is he is running and succeeding with at Memphis is something that's appealing to any program, I think. And he would definitely be someone that a lot of fans are going to want to say, that's plug and play. That's a perfect, you know, there's no need to go any further. Whether or not he gets the job, it's going to be very interesting to see. Extremely interesting. Can we leave it at that? We sure can. We sure can. I will leave it at this. Arkansas, I like you. Um, I think if I objectively was looking at Arkansas against the two Mississippi schools as a head coaching job, I would pick the Hogs every time. And I also would pick the Hogs over being the head coach at Missouri. And those three SEC teams are on your schedule. You start there, you build back, go back into Memphis, change the way you recruit in Texas. I think you can be a better program than people are giving you credit for. Um, I don't think you're the Rutgers of the SEC at all. Uh, Richard Johnson, anything to add before we uh, adjourn until tasting menu? Woo pig. Woo pig suey. Razorback.